Here we go. Welcome. Fantastic. Fantastic, Sherry. Thank you so much. Um, as Sherry mentioned, um, my name is Ewan O'Leary. Um, and I like to think of myself um, and characterize myself as a bit of a, a corporate provocateur, um, meaning I uh, challenge and provoke um, ideas, uh, practices, organizations um, as a coach. And uh, that's all in, in um, really a bit of a, um, an attempt to uh, generate different results from uh, the organizations that we have. Um, thanks for joining me here today. I see, um, based on the, the list of participants, that we've got folks from uh, all over the world. So I won't say good morning or good afternoon. Um, I'll say good whatever. Um, and uh, welcome to this, uh, this sort of uh, interesting session. As we, you know, as we all know, we're um, uh, subject globally to this pandemic, and uh, it's it's created a lot of and catalyzed a lot of really interesting and different approaches to um, to work uh, and to life. And um, you know, I'm I'm conscious of um, as I sit here before you. Uh, the privilege that I hold given uh, where I am in the world um, and that privilege sort of allows me to have a roof over my head and you know food on the table and um, mostly air conditioning which is why you sort of see me I'm a little bit shiny at the moment I'm um, um, uh, talking to you from uh, Florida uh, northern Florida where it's uh, about I think about 85 percent humidity and sort of in the region of about 34 um, 34 degrees uh, Celsius, and, and for those of you who have spent time on the Indian subcontinent, uh, as I have from time to time, it feels a little bit like Chennai in summer, um, so kind of hot and humid, and uh, I'm sort of looking for a fan and looking for air conditioners. Um, so uh, the article that I wrote uh, that was accepted here is, is really sort of my, um, my thoughts on what I've, I've seen over the, the sort of decade, decade and a half of coaching experience that I've had um, in the early days working a lot, very specifically with development teams, but now sort of branching out uh, a, a little. Um, I'm gonna zip into our agenda here quickly. Um, this is really just sort of the introduction. Uh, the subtitle of my presentation is Nine Things to Try. So nine things to try. And the way the presentation is going to work, and, Sherry, this is a little bit of, of uh, intel, intel for you from a, a facilitative perspective is um, I'm going to introduce uh, the first three. Uh, then we're going to have um, about a, a seven or eight minute breakout session uh, in a smaller group. And I want you to really start asking some questions about how you might, how you might try these in your, um, in your context, in your organization with the teams that you, um, that you um, might be working with, or have you tried them already or something similar to that? And what was the result? With the intention that um, rather than um, me sort of being the, sta the stage on the stage and, uh, and, and sort of imparting all this wisdom that I've generated, plot twist or here's the honesty, there isn't really all that much wisdom. I just, um, I experiment a lot and I learn things through experimentation. Um, so uh, um, I, rather than being that, I'd rather be sort of orient myself as kind of a guide, a guide on the side and leave you all, um, the attendees, with 
um, uh, agency with a little bit of, of insight, with a little bit of awareness, a little bit of knowledge, such that you can go out and try something. Uh, so we'll go through three rounds of that exercise. Then we'll um, come together as a, as a larger group. We'll do um, a collective reflection and retro. Uh, and then we'll go off to the next session. Um, so that being said, a little bit about me. Uh, very uncomfortable as the stage on the stage. As you can see, I'm sort of uh, happier, sort of staring at the sky, thinking about things. Uh, this is uh, me on, on holiday a few, a few years back. Um, much more comfortable as the guide on the side um, from an agile perspective. Um, I'm currently a CEC candidate, so cert uh, through Scrum Alliance, a certified enterprise coach candidate. Um, I think there's, there's sort of two rounds of, of um, uh, uh, the application process, and I'm right about ready to hit send on my uh, application to uh, to get through round two. Um, right now, professionally, I'm involved uh, in clinical trials. I work in the pharma industry specifically, um, uh, based uh, working for a company that's based out of Basel, um, and we have a, a, a large uh, brand and, and organization in South San Francisco. Um, and recently, I moved from California, whereas, you know, like everyone would go to the office on a, or most everyone would go to the office on a daily basis. Uh, and now I'm in Florida, living on my sailboat, which is what you see behind you. So that, that uh, interior is really a sailboat interior. And um, the thing that I, I like to sort of say is that um, I'm using the pandemic to become a slightly less terrible banjo player. Uh, play the banjo very badly, um, but I'm also using the opportunity to become a better coach and in some ways, a better human being. Um, there are a lot of, of uh, um, uh, issues in our world today that are, are kind of moving together and coming together sort of simultaneously. Um, and for me, uh, all of those are uh, the context in which um, we have the privilege of, of you know, learning and practicing Agile, um, which in many ways, uh, in, in my perspective anyway, um, is this, this, this possibly part of the solution, part of the way we get ourselves out of the, the great challenges, the great complexities that we live in um, and we experience in, in 2020. And really um, why I do this, I coach to liberate human potential. So that's a little bit about me. My accent is uh, South African. I moved to the US in 2000 um, and I've been coaching for about 15 years. In fact, the co-convener of this session, uh, of this uh, conference, um, Michael Della Martha, and I started at State Street in, in 2013 or 2014 together. So we've worked together before. Um, we're both, I think, in very, very different places <laughs> from our coaching perspective. Um, and it's been, uh, it's, it's really been a, a wonderful um, experience to kind of, uh, and privilege to, to sort of um, coach in the space and coach in the US. Um, uh, for the last few uh, few years. So um, that being said, uh, I'd like to um, just dive straight into the, the, the first three uh, approaches um, or first three things to try. Um, and I'm making a, a bit of a, a, an assumption, which I think is kind of important just to, just to sort of ground. I'm assuming that most everyone on the call um, knows uh, what a scrum master is. Um, if you don't, it, uh, 
<laughs> if you don't and you don't want to um, 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 mention um, mention that, just you know, this the Scrum Master role is is really important in this this thing that we do uh, called called Scrum. It's it's kind of like a a very facilitative role. So all of these um, these sort of suggestions that I have really come from the practices I've learned um, through practicing integral facilitation um, and a number of uh, other sort of facilitative schools um, over the years. And also, you know, quite frankly, making an absolute mess of many, many, many meetings and um, really bumping my head, um, bruising my knees, uh, <laughs> um, causing harm, causing damage, but always being um, in this process of, of reflecting and then uh, trying to understand um, the impact that I'm having. So um, the first of these sort of suggestions that uh, um, that I would like to sort of in, in, engage everyone in is this idea of you know when you're sitting um, or standing uh, on a morning stand-up is actually try to get your team to the place where you could, as a scrum master, just hand things over to them and say, you know what, I'm going to get coffee. Um, Anyone want some? You you handle the stand up, and uh, I'll be back in you know five to ten minutes just to see if there's anything important or significant, um, important or significant for uh, for for me to to sort of take on from there. Uh, and the intention behind this is really to, um, and this is important for the conversation that you're going to have in a little while. Um, the intention behind this is really to give the team their own agency, and to make the stand-up really their responsibility because ultimately the results that they produce should be their responsibility now of course that's quite contextual often um, we're in a situation where um, you know your management as a scrum master might believe that you know just like you're just like a project manager only with a different title and, and in that sort of situation or circumstance you may find that uh, management expects you to uh, drive notice the word drive results uh, and, and sort of be the, 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 the person there sort of holding the team accountable and making sure, pushing them to, to achieve particular up, um, uh, objectives and, and so on. Well, um, where, I, where I'm sort of uh, positioning myself and, and, and certainly where I coach from um, when I'm kind of talking about the Scrum Master role is, is not that place um, where you're very much sort of a catalyst or uh, even better image to to use. It's like you're gardening, um, and no amount of yelling at your seeds is going to make them germinate any faster. No amount of of you know um, uh, um, uh, cajoling your flowers is going to make them bloom any faster. So um, I'm very much uh, of the opinion that uh, you should be able to pull back um, as the scrum master. You could leave at any moment, and the team should feel like they have what it takes um, to take the next action, to make the decisions necessary to achieve the outcomes that they're being asked to achieve. So then the second, um, and this kind of relates into a, a couple of, of the, the comments um, that are uh, the remarks that I've made. This idea of being task focused versus being value focused. Um, and, and, you know, this is enshrined in a way that uh, potentially a team is, is sort of um, orienting uh, themselves on a daily basis in that standard. Um, 
And, and what I mean by this is if, if the team is very focused and you can listen into this as a, a scrum master, potentially even a, a team member, um, very focused on the very specific narrow um, tasks that need to be um, achieved and don't really have an opportunity much to connect those back, back to the value, uh, a value or a why. Why are we actually doing this? What is the impact on our customer? Are we sort of putting them at the, at the center of our, uh, our conversations? Um, you know, work is, the, the way I sort of say things is work is really helpful, but unless you're connecting that work back to the value that you're trying to deliver, you know, sometimes the work basically just becomes work and it, it, it sort of takes you in the wrong direction. So um, orienting your, your team around like the who, the why, um, before you sort of focus on the what and the how, uh, when they're sort of talking about uh, specific user stories is a very useful technique. Um, and it's something that I, I orient uh, teams towards. And the third, which I think is, is one, one of the reasons why I, I broke uh, at this point is this idea of stopping talking and starting helping. And help is, is really defined by the team, not necessarily by you, the Scrum Master. You may believe that your perspective on how to help the team is, is exactly what they need or want, but uh, I've, I've found that it's often useful to ask um, what's important or what's significant and how you might be able to show up in a way which is supportive um, um, for them in a particular moment. And part of this, the sort of corollary is, uh, to this is really to stop talking and start really listening. Like, what are they really saying? And, and if you start getting curious about um, what a team is really saying to you, you may find that they have a completely different perspective on how things are going um, compared to what you as a scrum master were sort of stepping towards and, and, and kind of um, the way I, I sort of describe it uh, to, to folks. And that's something I do is like, I make up all these stories in my head about what's going on and not to do that. Uh, I have to sort of engage my listening muscle um, and, um, you know, sometimes this actually relates to uh, the idea of, um, wow, the team's not talking. Do I feel uncomfortable by the fact that there is silence? Maybe it feels a little awkward. Do I have to sort of step in at this point? Um, and if you feel that urge to sort of step in and say something, mm, might be useful just to pause. Even though it's difficult, just pause for a second. Um, and then let the team step in and see what they say, see what comes up, see who takes the, takes the initiative and, and how it sort of lands for the, for the broader team. So um, I'm going to stop talking at this point and I'm going to leave you with a request for the first three, um, uh, just to reiterate my questions. Where have you tried these? Where might you try these? What have the results been? Um, is there anything uh, that you would like to sort of ask or get a little deeper into? Um, but based on my, um, my premise of not being the sage on the stage and really being the guide on the side, I wanna give you an opportunity to, uh, to get deeper into these three areas. And um, we will come back in about seven minutes. We'll split out into breakout rooms. We'll give you about seven minutes to, to converse. 
Um, and then for each of your groups, if you um, can come up with, you know, potentially some, some points that you might like to share to the broader group. Uh, when we come back, we'll have about uh, three or four minutes just to share some ideas and thoughts. Um, and then we'll step into the next three, trying to make these uh, practical for you so that you um, have something that you can step into your, your day, uh, go and start working with your teams um, that you can actually use on a practical basis um, as you go forward. So, Sherry, you ready? Everyone, Fantastic. You will receive an invitation to join a room. Feel free to join a room. If you don't want to join, you can stay in this main room and then we'll call everybody else back in um, seven minutes you'll receive a one minute warning. Let me go ahead and start the recording back and everyone's back in the main room again. Fantastic. So, um, how was the conversation? Uh, anyone uh, have, have something you'd like to share with the broader group? Feel free to turn on your videos and unmute. And is my sharing working? I can I can share. Um, we talked so about the. So hang on, hang on a second. If you can identify yourself. Oh yes, um, sorry. And and where you are, where where you are. Okay, I'm on my balcony in Germany. <laughs> in evening, I'm Andreas, and I'm an agile coach. So. Um, we discussed mostly about the first one, getting uh, the coffee. Um, and we discussed that some organizations even ask you to report on daily scrums. So in that environment, you couldn't fetch some coffee, but you really have to be there and, and, and do the job unless you could change these silly rules. But obviously, there's a trust issue and something more behind it. And the third one we uh, discussed about that as well. So we see it like get them to to identify the bottleneck in the group and help before starting something new. Right. Thank you. Um, that's uh, that's that's a really interesting context, um, uh, particularly sort of the idea of reporting on the daily scrums. Um, any other thoughts? Aaron, I see you're waving. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. Our, our, our group uh, talked about the... Where, uh, sorry, Aaron, um, where sorry. are you calling? Yep calling from yeah yes yeah sorry about that um uh, my name's aaron i'm calling from northern new jersey i'm a delivery ops uh lead and i'm in my uh dining room like off the oh. side fantastic <laughs> following on with andreas's uh, where, where we actually are in the house um so um we had a conversation about uh getting coffee and a little bit on the task focus and uh mm -hmm. and and so um, our experiences, uh, uh, a member of our team, Paolo, had a, a great point about 
using it for innovation and experimentation, uh, getting coffee and being able to kind of see what works out, what doesn't, which I thought was was, was really good. Mm -hmm. And then, um, um, and then uh, uh, Nicolette, uh, who was on the team also, had a, a great point around the task focus on when you have a lot of uh, dis uh, distributed teams with varied backgrounds from different organizations, uh, you just often just have to stay very, very task focused because mm -hmm. uh, people can, can veer off very easily. Um, so, so that was, that yeah. was our, our conversations. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Aaron. That's a, that's a really interesting point. Um, Nicolette, the last, I don't know if you're um, you're listening in, uh, um, but the last point I think is very important. Um, the way I, I kind of uh, I, I sort of uh, regard that is is like what is what is the team's response telling me about, um, and what is people's response telling me about the overall system that I'm working within? That's kind of the question, sort of the meta the meta question, the question behind the question. Um, because it, you can try these these uh, these things as experiments, but the result is is giving you kind of a, a data to make another shift in terms of your awareness of how a particular environment or a particular team um, is responding in a particular environment. Uh, Andreas, the the idea of um, you know that the the team being or the scrum master being asked the specifics of what was happening at the at, at each standup um and then the sort of the next step the, to, to kind of go like, why are you operating in potentially such a low trust environment what's you know what's that about so i think it's i think it's a really important thing as you are making um, um making an effort to sort of try these to actually use them like the way i describe it is throwing a pebble in a pond you know, and seeing if there are any fish under the water, because the fish, when you uh, surprise a fish like that, it'll, you know, you know, it'll kind of swim away, and you might see some other ripples show up on the surface, um, or you'll see the sort of ripples kind of like, sort of go out, and then hopefully the water will kind of uh, go back to normal. Okay. Um, any other thoughts on those uh, before we dive into the next one, the next set? Okay, perfect. All right, so <laughs> the ne next three. Um, <laughs> this so is my- I wanna, I wanna make sure, uh, something weird's happening with your slides. We see your front page and kind of a screenshot of images of like us. So I don't know if you're, there you Stop go. Share. Let's try, let me try share again. Zoom is acting a little weird today. <laughs> Okay, we now go. we see your slides. There we go. Okay. All right. Okay. So thanks so much for that, Sherry. I would have I would have carried on regardless. <laughs> okay. So uh so the next um the next three and this this particular one is, is kind of like my favorite at the moment. So I work in a in an environment or a context where with some very smart people. i um I'm in pharma and the number of PhDs around me is just it's it's really kind of um, fun because everyone is super smart and everyone is super smart and highly cognitively active um, which means that uh, in many cases they're um, thinking on behalf of others uh, and trying to sort of imagine every single nuance every single uh, situation every single um, circumstance uh, ahead of the team actually 
um, uh, encountering those circumstances in a, in a way of like, in a, in a, this comes from the best of intentions. It's like, you know what, if I, I think about this, then I can help prepare the team for it. When in actual fact, what you're really trying to do um, here is, is actually allow the team to learn. Um, to learn by doing, to learn by potentially making small mistakes as they, you know, iterate uh, on a particular user story or as they sort of go through whatever the iteration cycle happens to look like. Um, so uh, this idea of thinking for the team, it's something that, that very often we do, and particularly, you know, when I think back to my um, training as a project manager, this was something that, you know, was absolutely critical because we were responsible for managing risk, right? So you would, you, you would absolutely want to think about every single circumstance, possibility or option, um, and make sure that, you know, you had it all documented and, and, and so on. So this idea of, of um, creating some space so that the team can think for themselves, that they can make their own mistakes, that they can trust in the process. And this is, you know, my advertisement for, for, for Scrum, um, which is based on, you know, lots, lots of experience and uh, the particular aspect of Scrum that I, I deeply appreciate and I'm using way, way, way far away from um, um, software development right now is that iterative cycle, the kind of discipline of knowing what you're doing on a particular day in terms of your meetings, the kinds of conversations that you will have, the sorts of decisions that you will take. Um, having that sort of in, ingrained in a team um, gives them the ability to actually deal with, uh, deal with risk. So that idea of not thinking for the team, I think, is... Um, is really important. And it's one of the, the suggestions I have to try um, in at number four. Um, the next is uh, doing less. Um, as, a, as a Scrum Master, there's always the, particularly um, when I started my first job as a Scrum Master, I try to do the job of the Scrum Master, the job of the product owner, and the job of all of the, all of the developers. Um, mostly because I thought that was, was what was necessary in order to succeed. And over the years, I've, I've come to, to find out that um, it's actually more valuable to, to do less, um, but to do less often in a way which um, is, is visible and transparent. Um, transparent means you call attention to it and you're sort of having a conversation with your team. Look, uh, folks, I'm going to do less of the administrative work um, on the, the whatever, whatever, um, um, uh, whatever you're using to, to make your work visible, whether it's you know, Trello or Jira or any one of a number of tools. Um, maybe it's, a, a, you know, it's a, a, a board in someone's house on the wall with a webcam on it and post-it notes, whatever it happens to be. Um, if you are doing less of the administrative work as a scrum master and much more of sort of the, the, the work that um, is uh, oriented towards uh, removing impediments and ob obstacles from the team, um, that can actually be a, a very powerful um, message or statement for the team to take their own agency to um, to move uh, more in a direction of being so, more self-organizing, uh, to ask the hard questions about alignment. Often, that that um, uh, a team when they, they sort of be, start to become a lot more autonomous, management goes, "What are they doing? This is terrifying for us. This is really scary." We 
We don't know what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. We don't know if they're actually working or they're going to produce something of value. Well, um, that, that uncertainty can, can actually, um, the, the, the team can learn how to support their management with that uncertainty if you're doing less and they're doing more. If you end up being the, the, the stopgap, the person in, who's bridging the, the management uncertainty and what the team is a team the managers will never actually learn i'll never learn that the team is really where they need to go to so uh do less um and the last couple of comments i've made have really sort of focused on on learning and um it's really amazing that when a team uh, oh sorry when a scrum master concentrates on learning and the team concentrates on um um, doing uh, uh, doing the work in support of a particular outcome, and your product owner focuses on those outcomes and managing the stakeholders. With that sort of distinction, just how much learning can actually take place? And we talk about this idea of reducing specialization. I've often found, um, you know, even in teams where organisations have, have have been, you know, they've adopted Scrum sort of five six sometimes 10 years ago, they're still sitting in a situation where Did he freeze? Is it his video or my, ours? Okay. It's oh, his. I was, that, that's what I was just trying to figure out, the same thing. Okay, it's just video. Okay. The downside to being on a sailboat. Yes, <laughs> it is the downside of being on a yes. sailboat. However, I know what his next next action was, and it was gonna be to send you all to breakout rooms to chat for a minute. Um, so what I'm gonna do is I'll go ahead and I will oh there you are. You in your back. All right. Sorry about that. I don't really know what happened. How did, where did I, where did I lose you? Just, um, you were finished, you were mid, uh, probably midway through the reduced specialization by increasing learning. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. So, so, um, so often, particularly when I have a, a, a team that's new, um, I, I sort of say, okay, you know, we're going to do this. And I, I work with a scrum master. We're going to do this for between three and five iterations, whatever your sprint length is. So however long that is, but in the beginning, we really need to focus on learning. And um, usually with that focus on learning, uh, it, it kind of, there are a couple of other little things that a team can do to, to get sort of goofy with each other. Uh, of course, the pandemic paradoxically has um, supported uh, people kind of showing up no matter where they are and how they are. So it's sort of like an easiness um, and an increased, an increased ability um, to be a little bit plastic and adaptive, in other words, to learn. Uh, that's kind of come um, come out of that. But early on, um, it's it's really really useful to emphasize the the idea of learning uh, in the first few sprints that you do with the team together. Um, and that learning, uh, generally speaking, can kind of carry a team forward um, after you know they they sort of see, oh wow, this is actually benefiting us all this increased collaboration, all the communication we're doing, you know, we're, we're starting to achieve things a little bit better. Um, and all you have to do is just engage that muscle, activate that muscle. 
um, in the beginning as you kick a team off uh, and often it'll stick with the team um, for as long as they're, they're together. So um, that being said, uh, let's go out into our breakout rooms and then we'll come back and um, hear a little bit about uh, what your perspectives are. We'll do the next one um, and a quick retro and then off we go. Alrighty. So another seven minutes, Sherry. Thank you. Perfect. So I'll actually do this one a bit shorter. Um, you have a, you, you have about ten minutes left, about eleven minutes left in the session because it's okay. uh, ends at ten tail. So we'll do this one for just a few minutes and then bring them back. Perfect. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. All right. And welcome back, everybody. Okay. Fantastic. Um, well, uh, Sherry, thank you. Uh, we have um, a little bit less time um, for the next, uh, the next iteration. So um, if any of the groups have anything you'd like to sort of share, any interesting conversation that came up um, on, uh, on these three, uh, I'd love to, um, I'd love to hear it and we can then step into the, the next three. Any perspectives, any thoughts? Okay. Where did we go? Okay. There we go. All right, um, so the last three uh, things to try and just sort of things to be aware of, I think, you know, this, this idea of hub and spoke versus mesh. Um, what I'm talking about here is communication. Um, uh, uh, when a team sort of starts off, often you as the scrum master can feel like you're carrying the burden. You're sort of shouldering the load of making the team talk to each other. Uh, and this is what I call sort of the hub and spoke communication um, situation because every single piece of information has to go to you first or through you first um, versus the mesh, which is where the team basically begins to talk to themselves. Now, if we go back to um, one, which is um, go get coffee uh, or something along those lines, um, part of the intention behind, you know, you going, I'm going to get coffee and leaving the team to, to really talk uh, for themselves is to foster this idea of mesh communication. Um, but just pay attention to this the next time you're running a stand-up. Just assess where, where the team is um, in terms of uh, who they speak to first. I mean, what I'd like to do and I'd like to sort of share with people is, is to take a um, kind of sort of a mental check, uh, a tick sheet. And every single time someone addresses you, tick. And every single time someone addresses someone else in the team, do a tick. Uh, if at the end of the session, um, there are way more ticks in your column, then uh, you might sort of use that as an opportunity just to let the team know, like, look, how interesting. Uh, last, uh, last week, 
um, you know, we, we, your, your communication style was primarily, primarily through me. Um, if it flips, you know, then at least you have a data point from the experience that you can, um, you can share with the team. It's nothing that you would share with management, but it's definitely something from a scrum mastering perspective um, you could share with the team. Um, okay. So uh, the second last one uh, is uh, this idea that the more you do, the less the team will do. The more you do, the less the team will do. Um, so if you're solving their problems, if you're stepping in uh, when the team should really be developing the muscles to, to solve their problems, um, it's almost like you're, um, you're, you're kind of uh, training wheels and you're training wheels that never come off. So the team's never free, is never free to sort of, um, to, to, to make their own mistakes and learn from those mistakes. Uh, if you are, um, sort of way too active in terms of uh, getting things done for them. The way I like to sort of um, phrase this is that uh, they should be coming to you to make specific requests. And when you set up your working agreement at the beginning of you know, kicking your team off, you can actually make this explicit and sort of say, look, from a scrum mastering perspective, I'm expecting you to make requests of me um, if you need me to do something. And then, it won't be an automatic yes. It'll be something we have a conversation about because there, there, um, there are things that um, you as a team, there are muscles that you as a team need to grow. And I can, you know, I can end up being training wheels that never ever come off. So you don't know, you don't learn how to, how to balance or ride your bicycle. Um, and then uh, the last, um, you know, when I wrote the article, I was like, hang on a second, this doesn't feel quite finished. Um, but, uh, then I, I sort of, um, I, I sort of glanced over to a, a, my bookshelf and the collective wisdom of crowds is, is a book that I've, um, I've read and, and, and sort of used, uh, from time to time in, in the coaching work that I do. And, um, ultimately the, the team is actually smarter than you, uh, collectively, um, not, you know, not, I'm not sort of suggesting that, uh, there's a, uh, sort of an intellectual matchup between you and specific individuals on the team, but certainly the team's collective wisdom is, um, is greater than yours. And you know what the team's collective wisdom should really, um, should, should really be honored in that way. Uh, and, and if, you know, other folks on the team are sort of saying, hang on a second, I think we should go a different direction. Um, then it's up to you from a, a scrum mastering perspective to sort of say, okay, how can we include this divergence, this divergence in thinking, this divergence in experience, this divergence in, in uh, uh, decision? Um, how can we include that in uh, whatever course of action the team is, uh, the team is moving forward on? Rather than um, you finding yourself in the situation where you're the arbiter, um, the tie break on, on something from a content perspective, um, try to keep the team aware of the, the idea that you know, sometimes it's not just about consensus, but it's actually about what can we learn by exploring a particular topic where we are disagreeing with each other um, and keeping our ears wide open. So, I know that was a little quicker. Um, I would like to um, 
pause at this point. Sherry, how are we doing for time? What do we have time for? Um, we are at the end, so um, I okay. think any, any last closing thoughts and we'll be good. Yeah. So, um, so given, given these nine things, here's the question that I encourage you to, um, to leave with. Maybe it's a call to action. Which of these ideas might you try in the next five to seven days? Which might you try in the next five to seven days? And I'd encourage you to, um, um, to reach out to me uh, and share your experience if it, if it proves uh, significant or changing um, or, or not. Um, you know, you might sort of start off with an expectation that uh, something is going to be um, uh, tremendously positive and that, you know, like I mentioned earlier, the team might have a sort of a, a perspective or um, a sense that, uh, you know, something's quite different here. Remember, they're actually smarter than you. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Awesome. I'm going to go back to playing my banjo badly. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. This Thanks, was everyone. awesome. We appreciate your participation. Do you have a slide that has your contact information? Somewhere um, I do not have a slide that has my contact information. Thank you.